everyone wow what a great worship song this morning teach me to abide you know every time our kids get home from school we ask them how was your day how was your day at school did you listen did you achieve did you help somebody else out during the day was God present in your decision-making was God present in the things that people see, saw you do and heard you say. Now, I know that nobody's going to be perfect. Not even close. But if you grade yourself basically on how much that you listened to your authority figures that day, listened to your teachers, listened to your mom and dad, well, then I think we can do that same thing as adults. We can ask ourselves at the end of the day, how did I do today? Did I do what I was supposed to do? Did I include Yahweh, the great I am, Adonai, God? Did I include him in my decision-making? Did I include him in my daily things? Did I include him when I got a cup of coffee? Did I include him when I got up this morning? Did I include him when I put this stream together? Did you include him when you made breakfast? And I think when you... Judge yourself, not judge yourself, I should say grade yourself at the end of every day. How did I do today? How did I do today? Now, here's the great thing about it. If you did, if you got a 70 today, right? And we're grading in old school grades, not new school grades. Let's say to yourself, you know what? I got a 70 today. I think I did rather well. I messed up here. I messed up there. I didn't include God there. I might have not listened to what I was supposed to do there. I disobeyed there, but I got a 70 today. Well, guess what? You know what's cool about that? Is that you might have gotten a 70, but if you, if you if have Jesus in your life, then Jesus bridges that gap. He brings you from a, a C- minus to an A+. Plus. That's, the, that's, that's the great thing about it, is that Jesus is kind of like, I wouldn't say your cheat sheet, but he is your second chance, right? He's the teacher says, hey, you didn't get all these right. I'm going to give you another chance. These are the ones you got wrong. Go back and correct those. Jesus does that just by having him in your life. And then tomorrow, hopefully, that you do better than today. And if you don't, Jesus will be there to bridge that gap. But you must be aware of your daily grade, right? So you, I mean, let's face it. My six-year-old daughter, she goes to school every day. She gets home. How was school today? It was great. Did you listen to your teacher? Did you have any issues or any problems? No. How'd you do with your, uh, your, your schoolwork? Did you do good? Did you understand what you were marking down for an answer and why? Yes. Did you help anybody today? Did you make anybody feel better? Did you encourage anyone today? The, like These are things that we... I wish we did every night at my house as a family, and I'll admit we don't. But we try to do it, and I try to do it as a parent, and I try to examine myself every day, at the end of every day. How, do I, how did I start today, and how did I finish today? And will I start and finish tomorrow the same way or better? 
What did I miss? What didn't I include in my daily activity? And I, and, and I think it all comes down to that one word in that song, abide. Did we abide? Were we good representatives of the word in that day? And you know what? There's going to be many, many, many days in your life where you fail. There's going to be many days where you get a 40 or a 30 or a 20. There's going to be days where you didn't hand in the assignment and you get a zero. You're never going to get straight A pluses. Not on your own. On your own, you might be an average student, but with God, with Christ, you're an honor roll student. He bridges the gap for you. All we have to do is make sure that we're including God, that we're praying constantly, not only for our lives, but for other people's lives too, for strangers as well, and abiding and trying to make somebody's day better than it was before you entered their, uh, entered into their space. So, you know, we do what we can do, right? But your focus has always got to be, did I abide? Now, I, I actually um, titled today's show in quotes, I don't know. Now, that's not, I don't know, did I abide today or not? We're actually going to be talking about something a little bit differently today. Now, a lot of you probably did not get another newsletter today. There's a reason why you're not getting newsletters, and I found that out last night. My, um, my, uh, the newsletter that's attached to my website, that's attached to my, I think it's a Microsoft account. They're all connected, and there is a lapse in renewal. So now I have to renew that, hopefully today, and get my web, my domain, my all of that stuff talking again so that things can work properly. That's the reason why the newsletter didn't go out. I figured it out. It's not deep state stuff. It's not Google trying to hide it. It's our own internal issues that we need to fix and update. So that's all that is. So I titled today's show, I Don't Know. Episode number 281. There is a prayer, not in the Bible, but just like a prayer that's out there in the world called the I don't know prayer. It sounds a little odd until you start saying it and glorifying God the way you should be. It's humbling and it's eye-opening, this prayer, the I don't know prayer, and it allows you to give to him the great I am everything. And I said, please help me share the gospel, not gossip today, and spread the message that, to everyone that you know. So that means you can easily take this link. A lot of people have, uh, like, uh, they belong to an email list, right? Where you can send out an email to multiple people. You belong to groups. You're in Facebook groups, right, that have a lot of people. Take this link and you email it out to people. Email it out to your church congregation or put it on your Facebook pages or your Facebook groups. A lot of you might belong to uh, faith-based Facebook groups. Pop this link in there. Oh, yes, I finally got mine yesterday, too. I did get the I did get it yesterday afternoon. Okay. Okay, good. So that means it's just going out late because the update isn't done. Okay. Good. Good to know. So the I don't know prayer. What is it? I think it's safe to say we got enough people in here right now to start getting into things. Got over a thousand people. Guys, do me the favor and rumble this video. Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Please remove your hats if you're wearing a hat. 
If not, please go into a silent area and let's focus on giving everything, every decision to God first and then follow what he wants us to do, not what we want to do because we just don't know. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God and the Son of Man, our Lord and Savior, Father God, we pray to you this morning as a congregation, as a fellowship of a group of Christian people, God-fearing Christians who seek your wisdom every single hour of every single day, who come to you in a group every day. We know you're dwelling with us, and we just want to We just want to reach out to you and ask us, ask you to help us abide better. There's always a better way that we can be. There are things that we have not overcome yet because we don't want to, because our flesh wants to hold on to it. So because our flesh wants to hold on to certain things, then we are not by default abiding in your commandments. Lord, help us recognize those in our life as a a continuation of yesterday's show. Help us recognize these things. Help us pinpoint these things so that we can identify them and then move on and do what you command to step out of that comfort zone of yesterday and step into that calling where where we are abiding today because we just don't know that is the truth we don't know what tomorrow holds yet you are already in our tomorrow and you do know what it holds we definitely have plans but you direct our steps you give us the choice to make the plans in our lives but you're right there to hold our hands, to guide us through, to get there. Let us abide. Let us be humble and admit that we don't have the answers, that we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, that we can't continue to control it. We pray for this wisdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Yesterday, we talked about stepping out of your comfort zone and into your calling, right? Well, Part of the way that you step out of a comfort zone is by taking a leap leap of faith. We've all had to take a leap of faith before saying, you know what? I don't know what this is going to bring, but God clearly opened the door for me. Yes, it is ultimately up to me whether I want to walk through this door or not to the unknown, to the I don't know. It, it, It might be ultimately up to me, but it is up to God to take you by the hand and be your GPS. Now, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. A lot of you live in different states. So imagine right now you need to leave your state and you need to go two states over to a place you've never been, two, three states away, to a specific place, say for work, never been there before. You know where you're going. You have no idea how to get there. So there are a few things that you do in order to find out how to get there. You go to the source that knows the answer. You don't know the answer. If I were to say to you, Eli, Eli, I need you to go to Toledo, Ohio right now. I need you to go to uh, 4th and Main to the building where that manufacturing process plan is done. And I need you to cover there. Eli, you would know that that's where you're going. You would know I just told you where you're going. You're going to Toledo, Ohio. But you have no idea exactly how to get there. So because you don't know how to get there, you pull up Google, MapQuest, um, whatever, uh, you know, 
navigation system you have, Garmin if you have it in your car. You pull out an actual map, you go online, you punch in the address, you get the directions. So you know where you're going, you just don't know how to get there. Well, that's the same thing as life. God gives you choices. God gives you choices that all lead to fulfilling your calling. And God know, and God is in every one of those choices. So you ask yourself, how can God be everywhere? How can God know the future if you have a choice? Wouldn't that make it so that you get to choose which way you want to go? Wouldn't God be surprised by your choice? How can he know your future? How can he know everything? How can he be in your past, be in your future, be in the now? If he's given you a choice, that, that kind of negates the all-knowing. Well, no, it doesn't. And I'll tell you why. Because God is so amazing and can be everywhere, always. He can not only be in your future and in your past, he can be in many of your futures. So he gave you the opportunity. You walk up to a place. You have 10 roads to go down. Now, these 10 roads, what you don't see is that these 10 roads ultimately have their own um, issues. They have their own obstacles. They have their own terrain. You don't know if you're going to need to be in a boat. You don't know know if you're going to need to be in a helicopter. But what you also don't see is that all 10 roads lead to your calling. They all do. And you have a choice. I want to take this road. And if I take this road, it might take me 10 more years to get to my calling. If I take this road, I might get to my calling in no time. Both are going to have their own obstacles. Both are going to have the things that I'm going to need to overcome to get to my calling. And guess what? God is in every one of those paths. That is how he knows everything but yet gives you a choice. You can choose how you want to ultimately get to your calling. You can choose. And on those roads, whatever one you choose, you're also going to choose whether you want to continue on or stop and stay idle. And the people that stop and stay idle never reach their calling and, of course, never get back to the promised land, which is heaven. So that is how God works. That is how God is in all your futures. He's already met you there. He's already, he already sees you as a butterfly, as we talked about. Our job to get to wherever our calling is, is to abide. So again, you might know ultimately, yeah, that's where I'm going. But I don't know how to get there. And that is what this prayer, the I don't know prayer, is all about. So let me read it to you. Did you know that there's a prayer called the I don't know prayer? It's very spiritual. And all you need to do is you need to go off somewhere quiet and hidden by yourself and walk right up to the heart of God himself and say, Father, I don't know. I don't know where to go from here. Father, I don't know what is happening or what's going to happen next. Father, I don't know how to process this, this news, this situation. I need you. Father, I don't know how to handle these emotions. They've got me thinking funny things. I can't trust in myself with these emotions because, Lord, I don't know. Father, I don't know how to handle this current situation that I'm in. 
Father, I don't know if I can trust these people that are in my life, influencing me in my decisions, and I listen to them for advice rather than you. Folks, there's a lot of I don't knows. But here's the great part. Once you go to the heart of God and you fall to your knees and you admit that you don't know where to go from here, you don't know what is happening or what's going to happen next, you don't know how to process this, you don't know what to do with these emotions, you don't know how to handle this situation, you don't know if you can trust these people, Once you go up to the heart of God and get on your knees and admit that you don't know, then with whatever dusty little sand grain of faith that you have left, that you can muster up from the pit of all of your troubles, trials, and tribulations after you admit that you don't know, after you have humbled yourself, after you are on your knees, looking at God right in his heart, you say, with the little tiniest bit of faith that you might have left, but you know, help me. That's it. That's it. Now, it sounds simple, doesn't it? And you can do what I just said to do, But if you actually do it, then all of those I don't knows that are turning into stress and tears and sleepless nights, arguments and fighting, a lot of it is because you think you know. A lot of it is because of pride and arrogance that you didn't even know that you still had left. I'm going to tell you a story. Remember about four months ago, maybe a little longer, when my wife and I were experiencing some pretty hard troubles? And a lot of that was because of my own words, my own anger, zero to 100 personality that I have making mountains out of molehills where I shouldn't have, focusing on the wrong thing, focusing on control. Everybody in my life is incompetent. I guess I just have to do everything, that kind of mentality. Funny thing is, is I, had, I, I thought I had put that to bed, but it ended up coming back, coming back with a vengeance, right? It's, my, it's one, of my, one of my problems. And I made a decision during that time. I was no longer going to be angry. I was no longer going to let my anger control me. I was no longer going to be that person ever again, no matter the cost. Just like I made a commitment to God to not use the Lord's name in vain, I was making a commitment to myself, to my family, and to God right then and there that I was no longer going to be that man. And it was scary because I didn't know how to not be in control. I didn't know how to not be the one that had the, the end all say all. I didn't know how to not be the one that said, this is the way we're going to do it. And we're not going to do it any other way. Because if we do it another way, this is going to happen. 
not even allowing people to flourish, not allowing my children to be who they were created to be because I needed to make sure that everything was controlled. I said, I'm not going to do that anymore. Now, I might, been, I might have been always there for my kids, always there for my wife, never stepping out, never being at bars, never doing that. But it didn't matter because even though I'm always there and I'm always where I'm supposed to be and I'm doing the things that I'm supposed to do as a dad and a husband, I was doing this one very wrong thing that really kind of just wiped all the good stuff out, right? So I said, I'm done. And that was a very difficult thing for me to do at the time because I did not know how to be any other way. But see, when you do that, when you try to control everything around you, you don't let God and the people that he's put in your life do the things that he needs done. You don't let his plans uh, be fulfilled because your plans are being fulfilled. And so you're not allowing God to work around you still, even though you think you are. Even though I was going to church, even though I was doing Rise Up, even though I was reading my Bible, even though I thought I was this great man of God. When my wife looked at me in the face and said, you are not a good Christian, you are not being a good head of household, and you are not being a good husband. I couldn't understand what she was saying. I was shocked. I was mad. I was like, are you kidding me? I literally was arrogant enough to say, I don't know anybody who's as good as I am as a father, as a husband. But I was blind to my own problems, right? So here's where the story goes. My wife and I had a spat for the first time since then. Friday. No, excuse me. Uh... No, it wasn't Friday. Yeah, maybe it was Friday after work. Anyway, one of those days, Friday, Saturday, we had, a, we had a spat. First time we've had one. And it started to get a little escalated, right? That Meaning that we were talking at the same time. You know when it starts to get escalated, you're talking at the same time as somebody else. It start, that, that's when you need to just stop, right? Now, every bit of me, this is the first kind of argument we've had. Not a fight, but argument that we've had since then. So this is my chance to prove to God and to myself and to my wife and everybody that I truly have walked into the, I don't know. I'm going to let you do it. And as that started to escalate, I said, we didn't raise our voices. I didn't really raise my voice at all because I didn't want to get to that point. Then I just realized, what am I doing? Like, it wasn't like I needed to win the argument, right? It wasn't like I had to be right. It could be. I'm just going to leave it at this, and I don't know what the outcome is going to be, but let's not fight. And I did that. And do you know in 10 minutes, everything was fine. It wasn't 10 days of silence. It wasn't 10 days of, of trying to avoid each other, or having a, you know, the elephant living in the room. I embraced the I don't know, but you do. I embraced the I don't need to control this situation. I'll let you control it. And you want to know what's funny is when my wife and I started to get into this, you know, talking back and forth, but talking over each other stage of a, of a growing argument, my six-year-old noticed it. Because we don't, you know, we even, even when we fought, we didn't fought, uh, fight a lot, ever. So my six-year-old noticed it, and she brought two, Bi- she went and got two Bibles off the bookshelf, 
and brought one and put it on my wife's lap and put it on and, and gave me, I was standing up and she gave me, so she went, she recognized the fact that we needed God, my six-year-old, and went and got two Bibles and gave one to each of us in the middle of our argument. And that was enough. That was a message from God to say, walk away. You don't need to control this argument. There's nothing to really even argue about. Why are you arguing? And I walked away. I didn't walk away like, fine, we won't do it. I just said, okay, you know, uh, we'll leave it at that. Well, you know, agree to disagree type of thing. But my six-year-old daughter had the knowledge to, to say they need God. They can't, they're trying to do this. They're going to get to a point where they have to be the one who wins this argument and, we're, and they're going to fight again, my six-year-old. And then bring, bring us the Bible. And it kind of made us realize we need to, you know, we're, God is not present in this or else we wouldn't be fighting. My six-year-old brought Father God to our situation and said, don't do this. And we listened. We abided. And it really, 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 really makes all the difference in the world in your family. When you truly just give it to God and say, you know what? I don't need to be the bigger person here. The bigger person is giving is God. That's who you give it to, not you. You're, you don't need to win. You don't need to, you don't need to be the king or the queen. You know, it just, it's, 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 it's not needed. So to play off that a little bit, I want to go to the verse of the day today. And the verse of the day today is this. Proverbs 16, 9. A person plans his path, but Adonai, God the Father, directs his steps. That simple. A person may plan his path, but Adonai directs his steps. So again, you might know where you're going, but you have no idea how to get there. And if you rely on your own understanding to get there, guess what? You're going to get lost a million times. You're probably going to run into a million neighborhoods that you don't want to be in. You know what I'm talking about, the neighborhoods with the bars on the windows when you stop to go to the bathroom. Yeah, you don't have a way to get there. You're going to end up in places like that. So you might plan your path, but you've got to allow God to direct the steps. That means you've got to wait on his answer. You can't just spontaneously decide I'm going to do something. You've got to wait. You've got to pause. You've got to pray. And you've got to ask God. You have to. There's no way around it. Pray before you respond. Pray before you decide. Pray before you offer anybody advice. Pray before you cook. Pray before you lovingly correct. Pray before you do anything at all. And when you pray before, your response will usually not be the same as it was going to be before you prayed. Almost every single time, that's the case. So let God speak 
before you speak. Let him direct your steps, then speak. And I can tell you that this is something that I work on every single day of my life. I read out of the book of Proverbs 16.9. So now I want to read from Understanding the 66 Books of the Bible by David Jeremiah. What a great name, right? About the book of Proverbs. My favorite book in the Bible. In life, skill is what distinguishes success from failure, victory from defeat, and excellence from mediocrity. And skill or wisdom, as the Hebrew is translated, is the overarching theme in the Bible or in the book of Proverbs. In biblical times, wisdom was often passed from person to person through the use of proverbs. Pithy sayings, that means short, quick sayings, right to the point, that typically capitalized on a comparison or contrast from everyday life. The master at creating these short sayings was Solomon. He spoke 3,000 proverbs during his reign. His wisdom was a gift from God in answer to prayer, and his wisdom is encapsulated in his Proverbs. The book of Proverbs, written primarily by Solomon, was designed to produce a nation of people who were skilled at living a life consistent with God's spiritual and natural laws. No book in the Bible sets forth its purpose with greater clarity than Proverbs, something I need, which is probably why it's my favorite book. The opening paragraph tells us these Proverbs were given to each to teach us wisdom and instruction and to enable us to perceive words and understanding and to give prudence to the simple and the knowledge and discretion to the young. As you read through the book of Proverbs, especially with the illumination of the Holy Spirit, We will learn wisdom, the skill of living when it comes to relationships, finances, emotions, attitudes, integrity, marriage, and disciplines in every area of our lives. As Proverbs 1.7 tells us, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or wisdom, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Key thought, success in the practical matters of life requires reverence for God and obedience to his rules for our living. Key verse is Proverbs 1.7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The key action of Proverbs. You see Proverbs 2, 1 and 2 for this. We must receive God's words and treasure his commands within us, inclining our ears to wisdom and our hearts, to understanding. And the key prayer, prayer in Proverbs, God help me walk in the way of goodness and keep the paths of righteousness. I wish that somebody 
wise and spiritual when I was younger, would have told me that nobody wins in a fight. Nobody wins in a domestic marital fight. Nobody wins in a street fight. Nobody wins in a bar fight. Nobody really wins in war. Because look what happens out of war. People get rich, greed, pride, death, destruction, murder, rape, pillaging. Nobody wins in a fight unless it's sanctioned for a sport. I have a video here to show you. It's a six-minute video from Frank Turek who answers a very, very, very tough question. And it's a question that I have always had as well. And that question is this. God says that when Jesus comes back for his children and we go and spend eternity in heaven with God, Jesus, the angels, and loved ones, that there will be no sin present. You won't be able to sin. It won't even be a thing that's in heaven. So if there's no sin in heaven, then how did the devil, Lucifer, sin in heaven? It's a good question. I think it's an important question. And I'd like to see how Frank Turek answers this. So without further ado, uh, perfect. Play it. In heaven, if we, if we can't, we're not going to sin, we're not going to have sinful thoughts, bad thoughts, how did Lucifer think to, like, go against God? Like, how did he, how did he decide that, like, he wanted to be God if he was in heaven and we're not going to have sinful thoughts? And then, like, with that, also goes with, like, angels, how do they decide to go? Mm with the devil, and then is there free will in heaven? Are all angels in heaven or are some outside the realm of heaven? And then how can angels switch from going inside heaven to outside the realm of heaven? Was this eight-year-old a demon? <laughs> <laughs> Gee, what kind of question? I wow, know, right? that kid is thinking. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's a, those are great questions. And I think when it comes to how could Satan have fallen being in the presence of God? First of all, the Bible doesn't really tell us, right? Mm-hmm. In fact, we don't even know uh, how many angels went with him until like you're in Revelation 13 or yeah. something, right? There's not a lot in the Old Testament about the fall of Satan. Some try and say, well, you know, it might be embedded in, uh, say, uh, Isaiah 14 or Isaiah 28, and that's disputed or not when it talks about the king of Babylon mm-hmm. and all this. But we don't really know. The Bible doesn't tell us. Although it seems to me it would make sense that in order for God to give these creatures free choice, he had to have some distance between them. He had to give them an opportunity not to see his full glory, but to give them an opportunity to make a decision whether they're going to follow him or not. Because freedom requires the ability to make a choice one way or the other. And if God overwhelms them with his presence, then they might not have that choice. So is that heaven and the heaven we're going to be in, are those going to be like, are those two different heavens? Oh, you mean in the previous? Yeah. Well, it might not be. Well, our ultimate heaven is a new heaven and a new earth. Yeah. Yeah. So before the earth, before the universe was created, 
God was in heaven, so to speak, yeah. his dwelling place. God creates the universe, and heaven ultimately is going to be a renewed earth mm -hmm. and a renewed universe where we're going to have physical bodies. We're not going to be Casper the Friendly Ghost. We're going to have physical bodies, glorified bodies that never decay. That's our ultimate destiny. Now, people that die now, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. They, in some sense, go to be with the Lord now, but that's not ultimate heaven. Ultimate heaven mm -hmm. is a physical place, not an ethereal place. So it's a different place than where Satan and the angels were because that was an immaterial realm. This is going to be a physical realm, ultimate heaven. Now, will we have free will in heaven? It seems to me we will, but we'll have... First of all, we won't have a sin nature. And secondly, we won't have any desire to sin because we won't have any need to sin in the sense that we won't want anything we don't have. We'll have everything we need. The reason we sin now, as I mentioned earlier in, in, in the presentation, is usually just one of three things or a combination thereof, sex, money, or power, relationships, finances, or, or pride, or power, those kind of things. We take shortcuts to get those good things. Those are good things, right? Sex, money, and power are good things. But we take shortcuts to get them here on earth because we don't have them. In heaven, we won't have any deficiencies. We won't have any need to sin. We'll see God for who he is, 1 John 3, mm -hmm. 1 and 2, the beatific vision, and there won't be any need to sin or, or desire to sin. So with Lucifer, like, so that gets me thinking, like, did he, was... Did he actually like create like slash start sin or was it there before? Was it called sin? Was it something that God like was what was what he did? Like was it sin? Lucifer's free choice to disobey God was sinful, yes. So and then where Adam and did Eve. Sin, like, so did God create sin? No, no, no. God creates the possibility of sin by giving us free will. Right? Yeah. But he's not the sinner. Just like when we have children. We create the possibility that children will sin, but when they sin, we don't cause yeah. the sin. We just create, uh, the, we're the instrumental cause through which God creates people. And we, when we choose to have children, we're not causing them to sin, but we're, by creating them, giving them the opportunity to sin. The Bible provides glimpses into the glorious nature of the new heaven and earth. 2 Peter 3.13 says we are awaiting a new heaven and a new earth, where righteousness dwells. Revelation 21 paints a picture of Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. These verses portray a perfected spiritual and physical creation, free from sin and its effects. As to how we will live, the Apostle John writes that God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. Revelation 21, 3, 4. This implies conditions vastly improved from our present reality plagued by suffering. Further insights come from 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul shares that in the resurrection, we will be granted spiritual bodies, imperishable and glorious. This indicates a heightened form of embodiment, allowing us to fully experience and appreciate God's divine presence. The Bible also foretells that we will serve him day and night in his temple, Revelation 7.15, suggesting actively worshiping and learning from God. While specific details remain unknown, Scripture consistently underscores the new creation will be a place of eternal joy, communion, and service in a state of perfection far beyond what we now comprehend. We await its promise with hopeful anticipation. 
I love Frank Turek's uh, company and his ministry. Um, I think he does a great job. I think he does a great job at answering questions, um, especially from a Bible-based point of view. I mean, it's like a lot of these questions have entered my mind. You know what I mean? Like, how is Satan, how is Lucifer able to do that in heaven? Well, it's very simple. And, it's, and if you really read the Bible, it talks about, you know, the three different stages of heaven as well, but also that the heaven that we have is not going to be the heaven that they, ha that they had then or were the spiritual realm that the uh, angels and Lucifer lived. Um, our heaven is going to be on a new earth, heaven on earth, on earth as it is in heaven. Those two will combine for our ultimate heaven. Um, it is very, there's so many questions. And by the way, folks, you're never going to get an answer to every question, right? God tells you that you'll get the answers to the questions as he reveals them to you. And none of us get the end all be all answer to every question until we're there. Like, it's just that simple. Like, there's going to be some things that you're not satisfied with, with an answer. And there's going to be some things that you are. Um, that doesn't mean that somebody else is going to be satisfied with that answer. Maybe they're not on their journey with Jesus. Maybe they're not at the point in their journey, I should say, with Jesus to where they can understand certain um, answers, right? And I just love learning. I love asking questions. I love hearing other people's answers. It doesn't mean those people are right when they give you an answer, but it is interesting to listen to some of people, some people's answers. Uh, Frank Turek, Ray Comfort, Ken Ham, like these guys I trust spiritually a lot. Uh, if it wasn't for these gentlemen, I would not be in my walk with Jesus, maybe even at all, let alone where I am. And I've spoken to each one of these individuals, Ken Ham, Frank Turek, and uh, Ray Comfort personally. Um, and when I talked to them personally, I even uh, got more of a respect level for those three gentlemen and, and, and in their knowledge of the Bible because, you know, they have spent their entire lives studying the Bible where I've spent only year, a few years. So, um, I like hearing people's estimations of heaven. That's a tricky one to try to ponder. It really is. It really is because, you know, the Bible gives us explanations, but it's really cool when you see somebody bring it to life visually you know what I mean? It helps you really understand it a little bit better, but it also makes it so that's the vision of heaven that you think is going to be heaven. And I could promise you that nothing that we can create here on earth visually to kind of suggest what heaven is going to be like is going to be like it is in heaven. It's going to be infinitely better than we can even imagine to put in a visual you know, video or anything. So um, Mimi says, shows we need to be digging in the word daily. God will reveal truths to us as we do. What wonderful knowledge and that was the knowledge that so that solomon wanted uh folks if you could do me a favor in the last 12 minutes of this show please share out this video one more time even if you already have get in front of some fresh eyes and if you've not rumbled the video please do so um i'm gonna go read from my daily scriptures god's uh scripture devotional god's wisdom for today and we're gonna read from uh, on january 30th here the assurance of god's saving work. That's the only thing we can be sure in. Out of all the things that we don't know, um, one thing that we do know is that we have the assurance of God's saving work. And we're going to be reading from Psalm 20, 1 through 9. 
So if you're really quick at your Bible, you can open up to Psalm, and we're going to go to uh, chapter 20, verses 1 through 9. Hold on, hold on. I'm just reading some comments here. The lines of patriots at the voting centers are going to be assaulted by terrorists and guns. Okay, probably something that we should save for life from America. Um, may the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of God, of the God of Jacob, defend you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and strengthen you out of Zion. May he remember all of your offerings and accept your burnt sacrifice. Selah. May he grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill all your purpose. We will rejoice in your salvation and in the name of our God, we will set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord, our God. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen to stand upright. Save, Lord. May the king answer us when we call. Here's the devotional. My commentators suggest that Psalm 20 is a plea for God's protection in the time of approaching trouble and that Psalm 21 is the praise for God's provision in overcoming that trouble. A careful reading of these two psalms seems to indicate that to be true. In today's reading, the psalmist is pleading with God's people to call out to him so that he will answer you in the day of trouble, defend you, send you help from the sanctuary, strengthen you, remember all your offerings, accept your burnt sacrifice, and grant you according to your heart's desire and fulfill all your purposes. How refreshing is it to hear the heart cries of desperate people, those who are wise enough to know from whence cometh their help and bold enough to earnestly cry out for it. Don't be too proud to ask for help, by the way, folks. Never gets anybody anywhere. The psalmist knew that the first step to receiving the God, what God could do was renouncing what he himself could do. No one will ever experience the saving strength of his right hand as long as he is trusting in chariots and horses or himself. We just talked about that. As someone has wisely said, in the midst of troubles, some buy crutches while others sprout wings. Crutches would be uh, depending on earthly things, depending on yourself, depending on your own understanding, depending on the counsel of your wise people around you, where sprouting wings would be depending on God and God alone, period, end of story. Pretty amazing. Unfortunately, many in our day are far too fond of crutches. And those who insist on using them will eventually be bowed down and fallen. While crutches may help you stand right up, When you have fallen, trusting in the name of the Lord will help you stand upright before you fall. Really powerful stuff this morning here on Rise Up. And I got to tell you, folks, one thing that I abided and obeyed was when God said, start a morning devotional. 
and be fully transparent and tell the people of the world all of your sins, all of your mistakes, all of your negative things that you have going on in your life, the negative ways you think, all of your pride, all of your personality, it's going to be on Front Street under a spotlight for all to see. Are you ready? And I said, no. No, that ain't happening. God said to me, why do you think that you are, have a number attached to your name, K65989? I said, excuse me, <laughs> arrogantly. God said, why do you think you have that number, K65989? I said, why? Because without that number, you wouldn't be able to do what I have you here to do. Without you spending that time alone, left for dead, and without you clawing back with my help, even though you didn't even know it until 2016, without that, you would not be able to do what I've called you to do. And I said, cool. I don't want to do that. The last thing I need is another show, number one. I'm already tapped for all the time that I have as a person. And number two, I'm not going to tell everybody everything about me. Not because I fear judgment. Because it's none of, not, it's none of everybody's business. And I'm not ready to say those things yet to everybody in the world that I don't know. God said, that's cute. It's not your call. And it's not your show. It's my call. It's your calling. And it's my show. Finally, I said, okay. And look at where we are now. 281 episodes later, ladies and gentlemen, I rise up every day. I stand firmly on my two feet without crutches. And I don't know if I've got wings or not yet, but I do know that my steps feel lighter. My path is far more uh, illuminated. And I don't have to know where I'm going. That's the cool thing. Somebody says, what's going to happen tomorrow? I, say, I don't know. It's gonna, I say the company could be done tomorrow. LFA TV could be done tomorrow. Or it could be the new mainstream media tomorrow. I could leave and have to go on a mission to, you know, overseas and be gone for 30 years. I don't know. It's not my call. Never was. I thought it was, but it never was. I'd like to read for one minute prayer for dads. Jeremy, you mean a social security number? I knew SSN were bad, too much like tattoos. The Jews got in WW2. No, I'm talking about my prison number. Prison number, K65989. That was my, that was my name for three years. It's what I was called. Never forget it. When life hurts. I think this is a good thing to end the show on. Oh, that's perfect. When life hurts, ladies and gentlemen, let's go ahead and play some good music on the way out. How about that? I see some of your... Has this show been on for over a year already? Yes, it has. Yes, it has. You need to forget it. Yeah, maybe. Maybe not. 
Maybe me remembering it is what allows me to do what I'm doing today. So glad to be back here. Have missed it, says Katie. Glad you're back as well. Only 400 likes, says Watercop. I know. Let's get those likes up. When life hurts, folks. 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. When life hurts. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our, our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. ZBM says, oh, got you. I just got in, so I didn't know what we were talking about. No problem. Every dad goes through the same pain. So does every child. Your kids have days when they want to stay in bed and pull the covers over their head. Dads, learn to notice the signs when your children are hurting. Know when you give them space to work through their pain alone. Also know when to intervene and comfort them in their affliction. God will guide you. Lord, you are the God who comforts me in my affliction with the goal that I am then comfort others. Sometimes it's my kids who need the comfort. Help me to remember what it was like when I was their age and my pet hamster died or my best friend moved to another state or when I felt like an outsider with the other kids. When my kids hurt, I pray that you'll give me the right words to ease their pain. I pray I'll be a great comfort to my children when they need a strong shoulder to lean on. And that goes for all of you. I'll be that for you if I'm ever in your presence as well. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for today. I appreciate you all. God bless you. Mike Crispy and Unafraid comes up next, followed by two hours of Live from America right here, and then followed by four hours of our Save a Marathon with Pete Santilli and many of the LFA TV hosts. Hope you can be there. God bless you. I love you all. Keep God first and abide. See you later.